Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Welcome, everybody, to Let Me Introduce You. We are a show where three best friends who met in film school almost 20 years ago introduce each other to different films. The catch is, of course, that one of us has to be seeing this film for the first time because, like best friends, we have super-duper different tastes in movies. And so our theme for this week that we will be talking about is let's, let's get, get musical musical we're really terrible I'm glad we're not better. a singing group I'm glad we are not <laughs> the too. Greek chorus of this movie Ooh. yes <gasps> lovely so yes we are talking about movies with a musical component last week we talked about Xanadu which is you know hardcore music this one is also <laughs> burn <laughs> just you know a straight lovely, charming, wonderful musical that I am so excited to talk about. We are going to talk about the 1986 Oscar-nominated horror comedy musical Little Shop of Horrors. So, Katie picked a horror? I'm so surprised. Oh God, I'm you know this is what? not but really I, a I'm horror. Re- it's not, but it's, it's great. Not really. It's <laughs> not really. So Little Shop of Horrors is a film adaptation off the 1982 off-Broadway musical comedy of the same name, which is in turn based off of the 1960 film. So this has got deep history. But before we get into that, Ashley, would you do us the great honor of providing the synopsis this week? I, I would. I would love I know, to too. stumble through <laughs> no. this. Let's synopsis. see how you've improved over the weeks. We. I haven't. <laughs> Pressure's on. I haven't. Pre- I'm gonna fail. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm gonna straight up fail. No. Anyways, okay. So it's we. Prophecy. <laughs> exactly. We open on what I assume to be 1960s New York, but it's just an urban area with the overture by our Greek chorus, featuring three lovely ladies, including. Tisha Campbell Martin, who was later on the TV show Martin. Even Bob recognized her. He's like, she was on that show Martin. And they're singing the overture of the whole show. Basically, we center in on this flower shop that's not doing very well. We have Mr. Mushnick. Munchnick? Munchnick. Munchnick? Potato, potato. Mushnick. Yeah. We have Seymour, the very nerdy, not really with it, awkward, we later found out, orphan who is in love with the beautiful, voluptuous, very ditzy Audrey. And the shop isn't going very well, and Mr. Mushnick's going to shut it down. And then Audrey says, no, we have a surprise. And Seymour brings up this plant that he got during last week's solar eclipse, you know, when the moon blocked out the sun. When he looks directly into the sun? Yeah, much the, like the, uh, a shitty former um, president. Don't speak his name. Yeah. No, I have to keep that name out of my mouth. So they have this plant. They put it in the window and people start to come in. A loving, lovely appearance by Christopher Guest. I know. And then late, like shortly after that, the plant droops and Mr. Mushnick's like, you need to get this fixed because it brought in a bunch of business and blah, 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 blah. And we find out that the plant wants blood, specifically human blood. So Seymour starts pricking his fingers and giving it blood, and Audrey, too, as the plant is named, because he's obsessed with his co-worker, keeps growing bigger, 
and becoming a bigger deal. In a side-along story, we find out that Audrey, who has a really great sense of style, and I want to steal some of it, has a very abusive boyfriend, Oren Scrivello, DDS, played by, oh my God, Steve Martin, who does such a fantastic job. <laughs> and he's just this sadist dentist. And well, so, aren't they all? Aren't they all? Aren't they all, <laughs> right? And so as the story goes along, Audrey too needs more, and they have this great song about Feed Me Seymour, which I was like, I finally get the source material. I've said that before. <laughs> and it... After Orin Scrivello, DDS, breaks Audrey's arm, and she's wearing this, like, really cute lace sling. (laughs) I know, I saw that too. I was like, fashion. Sling, but make it fashion. Sling, but make it fashion. Exactly, Katie. So well done. (laughs) He goes to try to kill Orin Scrivello, DDS, but Orin is also a nitrous oxide or nitrous gas addict and ends up killing himself. So he brings him back. He's chopping him up with an axe behind the shop. Mr. Munchnik sees it, freaks out, runs away, feeds Orange Scrivello DDS to Audrey 2, just keeps getting more massive. And Seymour just doesn't know what to do. Like now he's sort of committed murder. He's an accessory to murder. But then... You know, Audrey's so relieved that she's free of her boyfriend and they have this beautiful song. And Audrey has also dreamed of escaping to the suburbs with Seymour, but they have this unrequited love and they finally confess it. And Seymour thinks, we're going to escape. We're going to we're going to run. We're going to get away. And so he's down in the basement just daydreaming. And Mr. Mushnick comes upon him and like holds up a gun and is basically Mm -hmm. like going to kill him for that. And then Audrey, too, devours him, which solves a lot of Seymour's problems, but also makes Uh it more complicated for him. (laughs) And then he's trying to elope with Audrey, Audrey 1. And then Audrey 2 tries to eat Audrey 1 and then knocks down this whole building. And it ends up that Audrey 2 gets killed after Seymour electrifies her with the, you know, gaping currents. And he and Audrey get to live their life free and together. And then the final scene pans down and you see another tiny Audrey too in the front of their <laughs> home. That's, Ashley. That's well, well done. Done. Because I did that all from memory. I didn't you did even great. I, I barely read Wikipedia, the description on IMDB short. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. You. Ashley, you did really, really well. You, you did, did well. Yeah. True. One yeah. miss is that the plan it planet plant is from outer space yeah yes. outer space that's yes. the eclipse a mean a... green mother from outer space <laughs> thank you what a great song too that was the oscar nominated song that right was the oscar nominated correct song. and the first so, oscar nominated song with a curse word in it yes oh. it sure was and it was the first oscar nominated song sung by a villain Ooh. The second Oscar-named song sung by a villain is actually a callback to an episode we had a couple weeks ago. It's Blame Canada from uh, oh, the South yeah. Park movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yep. And can you so, remind us who sang for Audrey too? He was part of the Four Tops. Yeah. Levi uh, Stubbs. Yeah, Levi Stubbs. Levi Stubbs. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful yep. voice. I know. He. I mean, I, I don't. I had to look this up because I was like, I know the Four Tops. Who did that? They sang. You know. 
Baby, I Need Your Lovin', Bernadette, Ain't No Woman Like the One I've Got. If anyone listening to this doesn't know who the Four Tops is, I'm going, what? <laughs> it's, it's not that. It's that you, you know the songs. You, have, just, so you, know much, the songs. you have so much to learn if you don't know who the Four Tops are. Also, they did a really great commercial in the 90s for Velveeta Shells and Cheese. Oh, they did. And I think that's how I was introduced to the Four Tops in the 90s. <laughs> my Four Tops were my last four boyfriends. <laughs> I literally just drank tea and almost did a spit take right there. <gasps> oh, guys, I had to. I, love you. I had so to. Good. I love you. But uh, it's not really accurate. It's not my position anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> Back to oh Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> so I chose this movie, one, because it it's just got a killer killer soundtrack <laughs> i made a joke puns it's a pun i mean it, it it's got such a good soundtrack and then it's got like one of my favorite casts ever like this era of comedy and like sctv people and snl people and just like 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 the early 80s early to mid 80s level of comedy here i'm just like perfection so graham how did this movie do at the box office yes yeah, so it it opened around December 19th, 1986. And it opened number four that okay. week behind The Golden Child, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and Three Amigos, another Steve Martin movie. Oh, yay. Which had been out for a couple of weeks, but it opened to $3.7 million, ending with about $38.7 million on a budget of twenty five. It's not great, but it did explode once it went to at-home video cassette. And the other things that came out that weekend were No Mercy with Richard Gere, King Kong Lives, which I've never heard of. No, me either. Platoon, and the re-release of The Lady and the Tramp. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, we do have some Disney connections here, so thank you. That makes a lovely segue. So this film was written by Howard Ashman and composer Alan Menken. Oh. And, uh, yes, as, as Graham clearly already knows, these two, of course, they worked on the original Broadway production. They wrote all the songs. This was their first film. They would later go on to make Little Mermaid. They would work on Beauty and the Beast. So they wrote mm-hmm. The Tale as Old as Time. And they worked oh, on Aladdin. A song. Alan also wrote Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. And Howard Ashman passed away right after Beauty and the Beast, I believe. Yeah, uh, okay. Yes, he did. Yes. I feel like that man did nothing but hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a lot, lot, lot of lot of bops. So yeah, they, they would go on to basically write the soundtrack of our lives. Childhood. As, as yeah. our childhood. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, until until Lion King came in and Elton John changed everything. But yeah. mm-hmm. Okay, so this was based on the original 1960 film, which is not a musical, written by Roger Corman and Charles B. Griffith. Corman has gone on to do, like, a million things, namely as a producer. Like, he produced that horrible 1990 Frankenstein movie, but he's also done a lot of, like, Piranaconda and yeah. Shark Toctopus versus Pterodactyla and Dino Shark and like a bunch of weirdly yeah. weird crap. He's, Wait, he's, am he's I supposed to? Am I supposed to know him? Like in the words of Mariah Carey, I don't know her. He's I just d- like he's a 
He's a very prominent like B movie director, especially of the sixties and seventies. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so like that's why I don't know him because like I'm not a good film student. Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, so, once again, Ashley. <laughs> he Listen, did, my brother will shame me for it later. It's fine. Yeah. He did write the original 1954 Fast and the Furious movie. Oh. I'm sorry, Fast and the Furious was a remake? Shut yes. up. Okay, it I was? am here for yeah, that yeah. remake. It's, it's like the same like car racing and oh. I'm, you know, all that. Isn't the interesting fact about the original production is that it was filmed in like a day or two? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it was like it had an incredibly short shoot of maybe like a day or two. They made the entire movie. And didn't Jack Nicholson was in it? Yes. yes. So yes. he played Bill Murray's Jack- role. He did. See, which... Ashley, you know who you know who Roger Corman is. Yes. No, I know who Bill Murray and and, okay. and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I know how to look on the internet. I'm a librarian. Oh, thank you. That's pretty good. You know how to research. It's important. Well, you know the there's there's a few differences between. I've never seen the original movie, even though I meant to. I just know that there are a few differences, mainly the original ending between the film and the off Broadway musical and the 1986 musical is that the original ending had Audrey win Audrey too. So Seymour kind of gets, you know, wrapped up in Audrey needing to eat everybody. And he gets wrapped up in the fame and Audrey too winds up eating everybody, including Seymour. And then the little baby plants take over the world. And that original ending can be seen on the director's cut of the 1986 movie, but they had to go in and reshoot it and make the happy ending where Audrey won and Seymour live up. Happily, happily ever after. Because audience didn't yeah. like it. So yeah. Test audiences it, were like, boo earns. That, the release date had to be pushed back like a lot because of the whole complete re- reworking of that. Six but Frank Goss was like, I want to keep this in. Like, this, mm-hmm. this is... But I do like how it ends happily. I know, me too. Me too. And, and Graham, as you mentioned, Frank Oz directed this, who is brilliant, Brilliant, brilliant. I mean, as and you can see with puppetry, with Audrey too. So Audrey too was designed by Lyle Conway, but uh, you know you had influences with Frank Oz. It was operated by over sixty puppeteers, including Brian Henson, son of Mr. John Henson. Jim Henson. Jim, what, what is wrong with me? You are having a rough day. We are not going to record this early names. ever again. Oh <laughs> Graham is just aghast. Graham, Graham, take oh a breath. God. I can't help it. It's it's just. <laughs> it's not. It's eleven thirty, Katie. It's not four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, it's just that I'm I'm writing wrong things. Well, I didn't actually write John Henson. Okay. God. I kind of wish you would have called him James. <laughs> Martin Henson. Jaime um, Henson. Great. I love him. Yeah, with he a was, J. He was in that Stu Spielberg movie with <laughs> Jebediah Streep. I love. Jebediah Streep and Harry Bogart and Jill McBuckle. <laughs> the names are close. They're not that off. Oh, this is so. Oh, this is God. so good for our bloopers reel. That Tommy Shakespeare. My God, what a talent! <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. So. Jim, Jim Henson, jeez. I'm not a morning person. I mean, get it right or pay the price. Like, Graham has a fucking Kermit tattoo. (laughs) I know, I know. So like I mentioned, Lyle Conway was the designer of Audrey 2, and he also did creature effects for 1988's The Blob. 
Mm. That's a good movie. And he did Creature Design for Dark Crystal, which I have <gasps> not seen yet. I've never seen it either. Also directed by Frank Oz. I think we're also, y'all, Frank Oz is Miss Piggy. No. <laughs> yes. Oh my, you did not I know, didn't know that. And Yoda. I actually don't. And okay, Yoda. Bob told me that. I was like, I know the Fra- name Frank Oz. Why do I know that name? He also has a, one of my favorite cameo roles in Trading Places, where he plays the cop, and he's like, this is PCP. Angel Dust, do you know what this stuff does to kids? Oh my god, that's Frank Oz! I fucking love Frank Oz! I know! Ashley, how, I'm sorry, how did you not, you guys both didn't know that he was the voice, the performer of Miss No, I, I knew that. I no, am. I don't, I don't pay attention to details. Do you I mean, I'm unless I had a, in this closet right unless now. I had a crush on you, I wasn't okay. paying attention to details. Get ready for me to blow your mind because, so I mentioned Lyle Conway, you know, he, he designed Audrey 2. He was also the voice of the Gump in Return to Oz. Oh, Return to Oz. Which I was like, what is happening? With Feruza Balk, right? Mm-hmm. I've what? never, I've only seen like five minutes of that movie. <laughs> oh my God, we have to put that on the list. I don't, yeah, know, put on yeah. the list. I don't know if I've seen the entirety yeah. of Return to Oz. I've seen like the wheelers, the wheelies. Oh scene. my God, you guys are oh, the gump. seen that. The gump is like this weird like donkey moose thing that they wind up making to escape. But it's Whatever. Also like a bed it, thing. It's, it, it, okay. The whole thing is surfing. This guy, well, this yeah. person's incredibly talented. Yes, he's wonderful. But Frank Oz, genius, also directed mm-hmm. House Sitter, in and out. What about Bob? Oh my God, I so, love him. He's just wonderful he's and fun. And that's one of the things, like a lot of his movies, I kept reading the word charming. It's charming. Yep. It's, it, and, and it, it is. This is a movie that makes me like feel happy to watch it, you know? Yep. And of course, when the movie opens, you see that it's a Geffen Company film. And anytime, I've been like conditioned, anytime I see that globe in the open of any film, I'm just like, oh, I'm in for, I'm in for a good time. Mm, you know? Because I always think, well, I always think Beetlejuice. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that kind of gives me the feeling when I see Emblem Entertainment from mm-hmm. the 80s. Yeah. 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 When I saw Geffen, I just thought of that scene in School of Rock when the mother is like, why is my daughter so into David Geffen? <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's almost like a, a Pavlovian response. When I see that globe, I'm like, you could, Beetlejuice, Risky Business, Interview with a Vampire, Beavis and Butthead to America. So he... You need to pay it's, attention it's, more. <laughs> it's funny how so certain logos will, will do that to you. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that classic, the early 90s Universal yeah. pictures. I was like, ooh, Kindergarten Cop, Babe, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm in yep. for a good time. I get that with New Line, too. Anytime I Love see New, New Line, Line, I'm like, you know, of course you're about Freddie, but then I'm also like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like any of the litany of wonderful movies that they do. Boogie Nights, Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, yep. Mm-hmm. I miss having a memory. <laughs> well, clearly mine is. How can you? You don't have one. Shoddy. <laughs> when you're saying these things, I'm like, yeah, I have vague recollections of this. Yes. It's only like in the moment that I'm like, oh yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the cast a little bit because Ugh, I think you know, I I'm blown away by Rick Moranis. Like, Ugh. I didn't know he could sing like this. Yeah, that was actually him singing, right? Yes, yes, and when he does, he does this like this like intense breakdown in "Feed Me" in 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 one of the songs called "Feed Me Seymour." And as soon as I as I was like rewatching it, I'm like, "Oh my god, 
dude can sing. And I mean, you know, Ellen Green, of course, as as the main Audrey, she was in the off-Broadway cast. She's known as a singer. And so, you know, she kills, especially in their their duet, Suddenly Seymour. But oh, yeah, I was just, I was like blown away by Rick Moranis singing. I loved watching that song because I was like, oh my God, now I get it. Like, Which this one? is a big thing for me where people will make references to things and then... I'll hear the reference and I'll know how to use it, but I don't understand the source material. Like, I cannot tell you for how long from Caddyshack, I would say, so I got that going for me, which is nice. But I didn't see it until college. Yeah. (laughs) So this is like, this is a consistent thing. And I was like, suddenly Seymour. (laughs) But yeah, he just like, you know, he's usually typecast as a nerd, stemming back from his SCTV days and literally pretty much everything else. Like, he, Ugh, had, just, he yeah. had just come off of, you know, Ghostbusters, but so he's just, like, he just has so much heart in this movie, and I just, he's he's just a joy to watch. Yeah. He's also just such, he's, a, he's an actor that everybody adores as well, and people miss him so yeah. much. I and mean, he, he left the business because his wife passed away and he was, like, raising his daughters. Yep. But he's coming back. <gasps> he is. He's he's involved in the new Honey I Shrunk the Kids movie. Yep, that's true. Yeah, I will I will support anything he does. I think he's delightful. Is this your favorite Mor- Moranis performance? It's it's tough because, you know, I've seen like the in the first Ghostbusters film, mm. I I think he's absolutely wonderful, but it's a different thing because he's a leading role here mm-hmm. and it's showcasing different talents aside just from like bumbling doofus so it's it's hard to say because i'm more you know i'm more familiar with with the ghostbusters role but this one is just delightful you know this is the film where i can remember the most screen time that he had right even in honey i shrunk the kids like you know he's the main thing but it's really all about the children's journey and everything else yeah i do want to plug a movie he did with steve martin yeah Called My Blue Heaven. Has anyone seen that? No. I think I okay. did. So My Blue Heaven is, so Steve Martin plays like a mobster who is relocated in, in the Witness Protection Program to suburbia. And Rick Moranis plays his guy who like keeps track of him, basically. Nora Ephron wrote it. Obviously, we love Nora. And it is basically like what happened... I think it's related almost to like the story of Goodfellas, like what happened after he oh. like disappeared and went in the witness protection program. It's a straight comedy. Joan Cusack's in it. Love Joan. I think it's on HBO Max, but like they're they're reunited again years later in in that movie, and it's it's really fun. I thought for a second you were going to start describing that movie where Steve Martin is a grifter preacher, and where's the <gasps> sequin blazer? Leap of faith. Thank you. Yes. So this is that my blue heaven is better than leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 talk about Steve Martin for a second. So, like I I'd mentioned before, he plays Oren Scrivello DDS, and in Roger Ebert's words, almost steals the show as the mm-hmm. sadistic motorcycle riding dentist. And I honestly kind of agree. So my my stepdad is a dentist. My mom and my stepdad own a dental practice. So we kind of fantastic up. practice. They fix it my is. front tooth. Yes. So we like I kind of grew up with this movie kind of being the butt of our jokes because, you know, you with that and then like the anti-dentite jokes from Seinfeld, you get a <laughs> lot a lot of dentist jokes. But this is just so oh perfect so and 
like, so you've got Steve Martin, and he's, of course, a fantastic singer. But then when you get that Bill Murray cameo of the masochist patient. Yeah. <laughs> and I lost and because it, it flips it flips what could be a cameo role into something else for yeah. both characters, I think. But he was just so So good. Funny. And we're not we don't usually see Steve Martin in a villainous role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know he was different because he had black hair. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't see his usual hair. And his 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 song and the entrance of that song and just like the way he was like kept casually like beating up his nurse. <laughs> I know. Like who when was, he would just punch someone. Margot Martindale, who's amazing in, in a very like wordless role almost, but <laughs> so great. I think because I hate the dentist and the song really speaks to me because <laughs> I think crazy. No, you still love going to the dentist. Why? She's Bill Murray. Because <laughs> you just get like super excited. You're like, yes. <laughs> no, I used to like love going to the dentist. It used to, we used to go to my, my second cousin was our dentist and I liked it for a really long time until I kept screwing up my front tooth and he wasn't able to handle it. And then I started hating the dentist and I switched dentists. And now I like my dentist. He's a really nice guy. I wonder in the credits in the beginning, it says with a special appearance by Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why do they do that? Like, he is a supporting role in this movie. I just don't understand why that was called out. Like it would be special appearance mm-hmm. by Bill Murray, who's in it for three minutes. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed interesting that he had that kind of a, a note on his on his casting. I saw that too. And you know the, the other funny thing too? So John Candy also has uh, a very small oh role as Wink Wilk. Wink Wilkinson, a radio DJ, and he was originally offered the role of the dentist, but he wanted something smaller, so he got the Wink Winkin... Wink. Mm. That is a hard name to say. Wink 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 Wickelson. Yeah, it's like John Henson. <laughs> <laughs> John Henson is a very easy name to say. James Henson? Johnny? Whatever you said. Whatever you said. Hi, <laughs> May. I do wonder, so this is the part of the business that we didn't really study in school, or at least I didn't. I didn't take any classes focused on pre-production or contracts or anything like that. And I don't know if they were offered at the time, but wondering how, like, how do you figure out who gets top billing and like, how do you decide if it's featuring or starring? And, you know, like you see that in film and television credits. And I'm always curious how that works out, but not curious enough to research it and figure it out. That is interesting. Well, I know we have, so with comics, at least, we have a lot of similar things to that. So, like, it all depends on who gets what credit, depends on what they did and what they were contracted and paid to do. So, like, I can't credit just, like, whoever I want unless we paid them. Like, so if someone, like, winds up helping out on on the backgrounds for a page because an artist was running late, like, unless unless my company pays that person, I can't credit them in the book. And it's the same thing for, like, special thanks. So, like, mm. we can't give special thanks in books, even, like, it's it's all very odd. So I don't know. I'm sure it's similar in the film industry, but in comics, at least, there's a lot of, like, very regimented, like, who gets credits for what. It makes me wonder, wonder like, what it was born out of, right? So, you know, talking about dentistry, the fact that in the United States dental insurance and vision and the rest of your body are all separate are born from something in like the early 1900s that like for whatever reason, I can't remember why, but it was split. Right. 
And so it just makes me wonder, like, how much of that is built off of, like, precedence or the way copyright law might be or just, you know, certain weird things like that. Maybe. Or maybe it's, like, under a royalty thing. Like, if if someone gets one credit, they have a certain royalty percentage as opposed to another credit. It's probably something regarding money. (laughs) Totally. I mean, you know, fuck capitalism, so. (laughs) I just want to say thank you and credit people. Yeah. (laughs) True. But yeah, so and then and then another like cool additive element of this is of course the Greek muses, the supreme style trio, oh Chiffon, mm. Ronette, and Crystal, who are all based off you know, their names are based off of fifties and sixties girl groups. So Tisha Campbell and Tishina Arnold reunited years later in Martin. They were both on the show Martin. I never watched Martin. And Tish, okay. Tisha Campbell left Martin beca- like after years because she and Martin Lawrence had a pretty volatile like he was not not great to her on that show michelle weeks is the third one she hasn't done much in terms of film i think she's she's done more music but i do want to shout out one show that tisha campbell did that i don't know many people know about but it's called rags to riches has anyone ever heard of that that's i mean it sounds familiar so it was it was a two season show i think on nbc it premiered a month or two after this movie came out and it was about it's basically Annie almost, but it was five or six orphan girls who are adopted by a rich man in Beverly Hills, and it's the '60s. And the show is basically like them living with this rich man, but it breaks out into Motown songs at a whim, <laughs> and it's great. I mean, I say that now as not having watched an episode in years, but I did watch clips of Tisha Campbell in it after we watched this movie. I was like, God, that was a good show. So if anyone has seen Rags to Riches, any of our listeners, please reach out. I want to talk about it. But they were very young when they did this movie. They were 16 and 17. Yeah, because they also played the the Skid Row kids. So Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. There's there's some of my favorite parts of the movie. The the, the opening with them is is just incredible. Yes, I agree. I always feel like when I see people dressed up in like, older old school clothing i always imagine them as like more mature and older right. and i'm like i could never be like that well this yeah, is all, you're also speaking to people i've not put on like a dress in almost a year now <laughs> you thank you pandemic on. oh no I, yeah. i'm lying i have i put one on for new year's eve to be fancy and then i think i put one on no that might be it <laughs> It's gotten to the point where if I put a button-down shirt, I'm like, oh, it is a fancy day. <laughs> you look like you're wearing a button-down shirt right now. I'm wearing a button-down shirt because I'm being recorded right now. And oh, I'm like, same. I look, usually look like the schlubby one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't give a crap right now. I'm, I'm wearing a brand-new sweatshirt, which you guys will be excited that I'm not wearing the same sweatshirt I've been obsessed That's with. Great. I just imagine you just wear it constantly and just never wash it. <laughs> I do wear it constantly. It is in support of another podcast. Terrible. Thanks for asking. But yeah, I I wear it constantly. I do wash it. But now I get to swap it out with this other terrible thanks for asking podcast sweatshirt that I'm wearing. So So are you saying sponsor content? We need to make our own sweatshirts so (gasps) you can wear sweatshirts that have our material on them because I think we can do that. Yeah. And made by the same company because these are so fucking soft. I love it. Well, we can make we can make them. We can make Listeners, some, we can make some merch. would you buy merch from us? Yeah, we can definitely make some. That is no problem. Oh my god, we're making merch. Yeah. We're season two, we should have merch by now. I want to make <laughs> stickers, and one of them says, friendship is suffering. Yes. Yes, that's great. I know we've great. only said it in like three episodes. 
You say it all the time. <laughs> so I want to talk about the music a little yes. bit. So first of all, this was nominated for two Oscars. One was Best Visual Effects. It, this was, you know, in the 1987 Oscars. It lost to Aliens, which, you know. The sequel. Sure. Makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. It, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay. It was, the sequel, it was, yes, Ashley. I just watched Alien for the first time last week. Oh, I love Alien so much. Don't worry, we're going to go through all of them. Even Prometheus, Promethean. Yeah, I've never seen any, any of them. Oh, God, that's so... I totally would have made you guys watch them. Graham, a sci-fi thing. Graham, you will get the reference from Spaceballs when the alien pops out of the stomach if you watch Alien. I know that part. (laughs) It's such a good movie, but yeah, yeah, it lost Best Visual Effects to Aliens, and it was nominated for Best Original Song for Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. It lost to Top Gun's Take My Breath Away. Which, uh, yes. No, completely disagree. That is a fantastic song. I agree. Okay, I it is classic, agree. but I just wanted this to win more. It's also curse words. Take my breath away makes me cry. Because <laughs> sometimes I just imagine myself on a beach wistfully looking out and thinking of a loved one that I've lost to like, I don't know. <laughs> to a horrific well, plane crash? Like uh, I don't know. Just what? like, oh, like a fighter jet? Me. Oh, no, like lost to like romance. I see you dancing around your house singing that song to your dog. That, that's not really a danceable song, Katie. It's yes, more it of a is. hold her and it's just like like a... sway with Phoebe. And she'd that's be like, dancing. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> she'd be like, hey, stop it. This is getting weird. <laughs> that's what she would say. <laughs> well, if anyone wants to watch, Levi Steps performed this song at the 59th Annual Academy Awards in 1987. Oh. It's on YouTube. It's got a less than perfect Audrey 2 in the back, but still in, singing Audrey and Levi in the front. So if anyone mm. wants to watch that, it's on YouTube. But... Graham and Ashley, what are you, some of your favorite songs from this movie? I think what's great about this is that sometimes in musicals, a lot of the songs just like feel the same. And this one, I think the opening is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to that on its own constantly. But if I want a good like emotional experience, I put on Suddenly Seymour. I can't resist it. Especially if Ellen... Ellen, Ellen Green? Ellen Green. Ah, uh, Amazing. But those two are my highlights. That's a good one. Ashley, what about you? I am embarrassingly not great at remembering the music in films. I'll be like, oh, I remember how something kind of made me feel or whatever. But I did love that from the very opening of this film, I was like, oh, this is going to be classic musical. Like what I think of as musicals. And I didn't realize the Greek chorus part until I was reading about like the trivia and I was like, Oh, right. Yeah. And then they're telling you what's coming. And I was like, what's that called? The beginning of musical stuff. And Bob's like the overture. And I was like, yes, the overture. (laughs) But I loved it. I loved the 60 girl group feel. I love that. I finally understood some references like suddenly Seymour. (laughs) I feel as though I will now listen to this if it's on Spotify or I will find like a YouTube playlist and I will start listening to it more. And then in however long I'll be able to come back and tell you like what my, what my favorite song is. But (laughs) I do like any time Audrey two was singing, which Levi, I just love his voice. It makes me also want to listen to the four tops more. Yeah. Yeah. That's what all my favorite songs were, were by him. Or like him and Rick Moranis together. Like, you know, I like Feed Me Seymour, It's Supper Time. Oh, of course, yeah. Mean Green Mother. Like, 
it, it's just like the 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 two of them. I always I like them playing off each other. Okay, question: Ellen Green was she putting on that high pitched, breathy voice for the character? Okay, yeah. because certain times when she was singing, you would hear that, but then you would hear her other voice come out, and I was like, oh, this is very like rich and whatever else. And I was like, which. Which one is her voice? Because I've never seen her in anything else. Yeah, but I felt like, like that is the right voice for that character. Yeah, when she like belts it out in Suddenly Seymour, you're like, damn. Girls got pipes. So the songs are just, you know, amazing. And like, I, I find myself like, I was, I was listening to them as I was writing the outline for this. And then I was thinking like, this, because of its small cast, it's something that a lot of high schools wind up using in their theater productions. So I know none of us were real, like, you know, thespians. I know some of us... I some always of wish us I had been. I know, Same. me too, a little yeah. bit. But, yeah, we... My my high schools and, and middle schools and stuff, We the most I can remember is Bye Bye Birdie that they mm. did because I had a huge crush on the guy who played the lead character. But... Is he gay now? No, he's not gay. That's a waste. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't think he is. I mean, like, we, we were friends as I got Tell older. me his Instagram if we have a lot of common friends. I don't gay. know it. I don't know it. <laughs> Kitty, I'll help you do more internet deep dives. I want to do it, too. No, I don't care enough. Like, like. Well, no, I do. He won't even listen to this show. But I'm like, Mark, you were fantastic in that. Okay, Mark, New Jersey. <laughs> Sparta. Gay. But, yeah, did your, did your schools or anything ever put this, ever put this show on? I would like to say, I don't remember if we do, but our mutual college friend who I went to high school with and love right now, Alona, <gasps> just posted about having done Guys and Dolls in our high school and how it was almost 20 years ago. Like, and yeah. that's also part of why I think Alana is so great because she did like cool theater stuff. And she's yeah. like, she was also an amazing performer and comedian. Oh, yeah. Alana's the best. So funny. Alana's, and she's like an to, amazing we were, we, librarian. We were going to play together. Yeah. Yeah. We were in The Foreigner together with Katie Directed. Mm-hmm. We put on, uh, I wasn't in it, but we our school did put on Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. And shout out to Michelle, who listened to this, who also lives out in the Bay Area. And she has my high school prom date. Mm. She was in the show, and she played kind of an amalgamation of all the characters who, who try to like sell Audrey to media to like mm-hmm. be on TV and oh. on that. And she had her song was the Meek Shall Inherit. I remember that very vividly. How did how did you guys do like the 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 puppetry and stuff? I yeah, remember, puppet expert Graham who went it to was puppet a camp. giant. Uh, we'll talk about that on a, that. My puppet camp episode will be it's a full forty five minute episode. <laughs> but yes, listeners, I went to a puppet camp. It was the best week of my life. So we had they had to special order this giant puppet. From I think it came from like Maryland, and it cost a lot of money to rent. I remember it was like kind of this big deal that they got this puppet, and there were people inside it like opening and closing the mouth. But we had this guy named Christopher, forget his last name, who was just behind the curtain with the mic as, and he had a very deep voice similar to Levi Stubbs for like a seventeen-year-old. But it was just like a perfect casting. But I remember being like, that's kind of a drab puppet. But for like a high school production in Jacksonville, Florida, like it was pretty it was pretty cool. Like they, they did a really good job. And the girl who played Audrey killed it, I forget her name. But she was pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah, I never like I never did 
theater. My one of my brothers did like he was super into Sweeney Todd, and like would not stop talking about it, and was in the production. And oh my god, just it was Sweeney Todd, twenty four seven. Wait, your high school put on Sweeney Todd? No, my my one of my brothers' high schools did. Uh, that's that is dark. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. What kind of high school? It wasn't your Catholic high school, was it? No, it was it. Uh, all my brothers, a, a lot of us all went to different schools. Oh, okay. Was it a public school? Public schools would be risky like that. No. No, it was a private school. But yeah, he loved it. And then that got me thinking, what other film adaptations that were not shitty stem from Broadway plays? Because, you know, this started as a Broadway play, although technically a movie first. Then you've got Sweeney Todd, of course, which was a, uh, a play first. Chicago, Dream Girls. Dream Girls, Dream mm-hmm. Girls, mm-hmm. Dream Girls. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I feel like, granted, Beyonce's in it, and, and anything Beyonce does is, is gold, but people don't talk about it as much. No. Even when it was released, it, it made $100 million, which is big. But I thought it was going to make even more. It kind of got some snubs from the Oscars, too. Yeah. I don't think it won any. It won one, Jennifer Hudson. But that one is great. I think it also shows how, like, award award organizations and things like that are just fucking racist and just made up of oh, yeah. old white people. Oh, yeah. Like, it's I was just reading an article people. about the Golden Globes, and I was like, oh, you don't have don't any black even... members? Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. I did not like Mamma Mia, but... I loved Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. <laughs> I watched it on a plane. I cannot stand ABBA. You don't like ABBA? I hate ABBA, but I have a reason. Okay. Did ABBA kill your childhood dog, your puppy? Yeah, what happened? What did ABBA, what did ABBA, what did ABBA ever do to you? So what did ABBA do to you? The first job I ever had, the first job oh. I ever, ever had, I was working in like this tiny little like women's retail store in my hometown, and they would sell like you know, clothes and, like, decorative items and soap and nonsense like that. And I worked there for a summer, and they only had two CDs. Two CDs Mm -hmm. the whole summer. Okay, yeah. The best of ABBA. Genius. And whatever, like, that Sting album was, where he was like, I dream of rain and Yeah, Yeah. that one. It was that all summer. That's all all I could hear, right? That sounds... Amazing. No, no, it no, was too much. You it was too much. think it sounds amazing, right? Every day. But like every day. When you have to do the same shit over and over again, Bob at both of his jobs still works retail. And like I people who have worked in retail, I just trust them a little bit more. But we'll be listening to something and a song will come on and it'll be like, turn that off. I have to hear that every forty five minutes at work. And you I was know like, what? okay, legit. I worked in retail in high school and I had I had a coworker who would not stop playing Christina Aguilera and I can't listen to her. And that's 20, it's from 20 years ago. Like, no disrespect to Christina Aguilar, but, like, I just, I, whoa, too much. Too much. But here we, Mama Mia, here we go again is really good, y'all. Is it? I watched it on a plane, and it was after a very stressful day of flights getting canceled, and we had to drive to the other airport in the Bay Area to take our flight to Mexico City. And was I was just, Was this before ex- our vacation? Yes, I was completely exhausted, and I just like, I want to watch something stupid, and I put it on, and it was probably three o'clock in the morning, and I was in the, I was in my seat just bopping up and down, clapping, and Brandon's like, there, you, people are sleeping, please. <laughs> I, w- I was gonna say, I was like, I can totally see that would be your reaction, and Brandon being like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm you not watching a movie with you. <laughs> I was like, fine, put on Venom, Brandon. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of songs that we can't hear anymore, so I worked at The Late Show with David Letterman, and every single show before we would tape to get the audience, like, pumped and excited, they would play Basket Case by Green Day, but literally every show right before and like you'd have to like run down to the audience and like clap and get everybody excited so yeah that's like another one of those songs where i'm like i cannot hear it any yeah yeah i can't really listen to bob marley anymore after oh. tanzania like every dollar dollar which is like the bus system sort of but it's not it's not like ours where it's all joined everybody just has has a bus has a little minivan and couldn't do it I just can't do it. It was, it was so much overload. Mm. Can I make this a comment about the movie musicals for a second, though? Yeah. Yes. I think it's really hard to to find one that's that's really good because there's such magic when you see it on on stage, and and I, and I think it's really hard to translate that on screen, right? And there's very few that I think. Can you think of any others that are good? What about the Sound of Music? Sure. Right. With, Greece, but Greece was that they completely changed the the story of Greece for the movie. Oh, did they? She's not from she's not from Australia. She's like it's just another New Jersey girl or something. And like it's it's a lot like the the play itself is really it's kind of like dirty. <gasps> yeah, saucy. What about Hedwig? I've only ever seen the movie. If Hedwig is good, I, I know people are obsessed with it. It just I think I saw it at the wrong time. And mm. I should revisit it. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, it's it's hard to think of, like, musicals that came first and then went to movies that are not crappy. <laughs> yeah, and also, there was a huge, there were no movie musicals for the longest time in the, like, 80s and 90s because they were considered passe, almost. Really? Well, I mean, beyond Little Shop in the 80s, like, really, how many others were there? Like like mu- had, musicals on Newsies Broadway? was six or no no like movie musicals right like the, six oh. years later there's Newsies and that came out and bombed and that kind of put another nail in the coffin of a movie musical. So it really good, wasn't though. until Chicago I think that it maybe added some some energy into into putting some trust into that. And That's I wonder true. if the rise of animated films and those mm. being musicals made it seem like okay but that's just for kids. Right before, like, and that dominated so much that to try to penetrate the musical market for adults would have been difficult because they, you know, not all, but a lot of adults were bringing their kids to see those movies, and so there just wasn't as much of an audience. That's a good point. Too much market saturation with Disney. I am excited about In the Heights coming out. I'm excited about that. Curious about West Side Story, even though West Side Story, the original, is incredible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wicked, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. John Cho, John Chu is directing it, so that gives me promise. I like that it gives a lot of people the opportunity to see it who may not mm-hmm. have been able to see, you know, see it live. You know, because Broadway is expensive. It is mm-hmm. for not for the, the everyday person unless you save up a shit ton of money, and it's not fair. <laughs> it's not. A lot of it skips over parts of the Midwest, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know, are they doing that with Book of Mormon, too? Are they making that into, like, uh, a screen know. adaptation? They should. It's so I good. Don't know. But puppetry. But puppetry, yes. I mean, that's that's my that's how I start Over all my to our resident puppet expert, Graham. <laughs> so one is is yes. Shout out to the incredible team who who put this puppet together. They had a a lot of hard. It was really hard for them to to work with a puppet to make it look like it could speak convincingly. 
they, 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 they did, did a, a damn good job. job. Yeah. And this is how they did it. They had to do it by speeding up the film, basically. So what they did is they, they filmed it in re- like really moving the puppet very, very slowly. And then on film, sped up the frame rate to make it look like he's... That's actually like a, a giant plant speaking. Because like the lips, the way the lips move and just mm-hmm. use all the words, it's incredible. And Yaki, you mentioned earlier, like 60 puppeteers in that last scene to get yeah. that thing moving. That's amazing. You know, Unbelievable. You're, uh, you're wa- like I'm rewatching it and I'm like, there was nothing green screen. There was nothing animated. There was not stop motion. You know, it's, it's just all straight puppetry. So it's stunning. I was kind of embarrassed at one point when it was like I had forgotten all of my film training and it's at the very beginning when Audrey is little and then grows a little bit from the initial blood and I was like, oh my god, how did they do that? I have to ask Katie. And it was literally just like pushing in and like bringing it closer to the camera. I was like, oh my god, that's so fucking basic, Ashley. I'm so embarrassed by you. So so this is being remade into another movie musical with Taryn Egerton and Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans I think is in talks to be the dentist yes Chris Evans oh my god that's such so here's a concern I have I mean I have concerns with ScarJo yeah me too my concern is plea not my concern my plea if they if they're listening is (laughs) do not make the plant CGI. Oh God, please you know don't. Please, 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 please don't. You know they will. And like, that is what connects the play, the musical on Broadway, the musical, you know, wherever you see it to the movie, it's puppetry and there's an art to it. And like, do it right. Don't cheat us out of seeing yeah, that no. kind of puppetry. I don't know. I just, I, I second it as a I just pra- think, practical like, effects all the way. The art of puppetry is just being, is just being, forgotten these days on screen and and it's really upsetting to me nobody watched the dark crystal sequel series the age of resistance it's amazing it won the emmy that year that it came out but like you know it was just so expensive that they couldn't make another another season but like what made that such a great experience was seeing like the finally art of puppetry on screen again where it belongs for for people and just i just really really hope that they're if they're going to do some CGI, fine, but, like, let's see some artistry with the puppet. I know, on, I, on hope so. I hope so. Because it just proves that you don't, to make magic, you don't need to, like, go over the top with CGI. Like, you don't need Audrey 2 to be, like, you know, Broadway kicking across the stage. No. You know? You don't You don't need him to, to, to do anything over the top because a lot of the heart of the character comes from, like, the singing and the personality. Yeah. It's not just like we need to see this moving. So yeah, I'm with you, Grandma, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm on board. I I do miss that. I feel like there's there's art in everything that's done, right? And at least for us, when we finished film school, it was on that precipice right before digital really exploded. And when we were doing our projects, we were still shooting on film, right? Even our like first film production class we were still editing on a Steenbeck on that like massive editing machine, which we'll sadly never forget that. Me yeah, and like I had so much fun doing oh that God, and yes. like using the little you know wax pencil and like marking where you wanted to make your cuts and lining up you know sound and and picture at the same time. And 
it feels like there is so much artistry that's being lost. And there is some other stuff that absolutely being found, right? Like I haven't been keeping up and it's can be so accessible now. Like you can shoot things on your iPhone and you get some like additional lenses and you can edit things. And like, I foolishly like avoided TikTok for a really long time, but holy shit, there are some amazing things. And they're young kids. And they're they're young young kids, kids, right? And And it's brilliant. And it's accessible and it's really breaking down a lot of barriers, but it also makes me sad to see some of the, the artistry that's going away. And I hope that at least in in film classes now they're talking about that shift and like, what are the things we can bring forward and what are the things we can incorporate again? And I almost want there, if it hasn't already happened, cause I'm not paying as much attention to be a resurgence of, of some of the, you know, older techniques and like blending the old with the new, mm. because I think that could be really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So Ashley, since this was new to you, would you watch this again? Oh fuck yes! Oh yeah, I it was so funny. So this this is one of those few times when I started watching it. And I was like, this feels a little bit familiar. Have I already seen this? And I think I had seen chunks of it or clips of it, or there were enough references or things in the ether. But as I continued to watch it, I was like, oh no, I don't remember this at all. But yeah. This was fantastic. It makes me want to go watch a bunch of other amazing musicals because for somebody to be a great actor and to be able to sing and dance, you know, what is that, triple threat or quadruple threat, whatever people are up to these days, that to me is just really amazing. And to see someone have both innate talent and also work hard to refine their skills and to really bring both of those together, that's, I want to watch more of that. I want to be blown away by the, the art of everything. And I feel like even though any film or TV, like, yeah, you're bringing art to it and we see things that are well done and things that are not as well done. I want to see more of things that remind me of the magic and what really got me into filmmaking Instead of just the a lot of other stuff I've been consuming, which is like, yeah, it's well done, but like it doesn't move me, it doesn't surprise me, it doesn't delight me. It's just like, yeah, I'm watching this thing, I'm like, oh yeah, mm, whatever, whatever. Mm. But this, I was like, oh my god, the puppetry, that's fucking fantastic. And I do a little bit want to be embarrassed by the things that I've forgotten, so that I can remember them and then dive back into it more. So fuck yeah, I would definitely watch this again. It was a goddamn delight. Mm. Yes, it was. And obviously, Graham, you would watch it again. Duh! Yeah. <laughs> hard yes from Graham. The hardest of yeses. <laughs> yeah. That's a big yes. <laughs> well, before we preview next week, I want to do a little mini. Let me introduce oh. you. Let me introduce you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like that we make our own theme song every time. Uh, th- just, no, this is not a paid sponsorship, but we are still accepting paid sponsorships. We're not really actively seeking them yeah. out, but... You would almost say we're desperate for them. Yeah, almost. <laughs> so I have been doing... So, like, you know, like everybody in the quarantine, I haven't really been paying attention to, like, food or eating. I'm just, like, just, just give it to me. But I never, like, ate that shitty. I was just, like, not... I ate a lot of cheese and wine and... cheese is delicious. Like, because, and I would just do things that were easy because the world is so hard right now that I didn't want to have to think about like, oh God, what am I going to cook for dinner? Oh God, what am I going to do this? So, you know, you, you put on some weight. 
Because you're surviving a pandemic and you're just doing the mm-hmm. best you can. Exactly. Exactly. But when the new year started, I totally became a stereotype and I was like, well, you know what? I could, I, because I'm in a unique situation where I have complete control over what goes in my food hole, I can, oh, <laughs> I, I can do this more, you know, because like a lot of times when people take like a weight loss journey or something, they struggle when they have to go out to eat or when they have special occasions, you know, like when they go to restaurants and I was like, I'll give this a shot. I'm only in my house. I never leave. So I started You really doing... don't. You're really like, you're going hard on lockdown. Lockdown yeah. has not yeah. lifted for you at nope. all. Nope. So I've been doing Noom, which is, you know, I saw like the Instagram ads for it everywhere. And I was just like, it, 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 it cost me 50 cents for a seven day trial. And I was like, hmm. let's see how this goes. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know. I'm like, know, what's the catch? Well, no, no, well, I mean, then, then they do charge you eventually. I don't remember what the charge is. It's not terrible, though. So, yeah, but you can try it. Out. I was like, I'll try it out for free or for, for the 50 cents for seven days. I'll see how it goes. I'll see if I like it. And a lot of it, because, you know, a lot of it, I'm on my phone and I'm doing like dumb BuzzFeed quizzes or reading articles from things. This is basically that same thing, except it's more on like how you eat and why you eat and like what choices you make and um, what like makes you full. And for me, it was a lot of just like accountability. So just like writing down or like keeping a log of like what I'm actually eating and how that's balanced out. And then like also how much of it, because you actually really do get full before you think of thing before, before you're like, you're done eating. So it's, it's going really well. I hit my 15 pound marker yesterday. Just a month in. A yeah, month-ish yeah, in. yeah, That's yeah just about a month. I mean, it does it does go up and down every day, but you know you have to like weigh in every morning. Well, I do it every morning, and like you log in so you can like see the trajectory and stuff. It's it's nice. There's like a chat room on there, like with people in your group. So if you're struggling about something or you want to share something, you can, like talk about it. It's it's been pretty cool. I, I would I would super duper recommend it. It's not That's hard. Great. Yeah, Kitty. What I appreciate about you because like you know. In American society, there's so much pressure on women of like, you have to look like this and you have to do that. And like capitalism is just trying to make us so dissatisfied with our bodies. So we constantly spend money. So we're not dismantling the patriarchy and white supremacy. I would also um, say that it's not just like gay men too. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's a lot of it's people. Yeah. yeah. It really has expanded. But I know like, you know, our listeners don't know you like for 20 plus years like I do. And I know for you, it's not like I need to fit into this ideal size or like what society is saying. Like I know when you and I have talked, it's really about what makes my body feel good. What, what, what do I like eating that makes me feel more healthy? And then, yeah, there are times when it's also like, yeah, and I want to lose weight because my body is not moving the same way. Right. And this is like, you know, I joked with you guys before. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get married in a year and I'd like to lose some weight or whatever. But it really also is, especially as we think about getting older, like, it is pressure on our joints, you know, and it is the food habits that we've been developing for years. These are going to carry through the rest of our life. Like I've been thinking about that, you know, as I've talked to y'all about, there are memory issues on both sides of my family and what you eat does have an effect on that for you later on in life and like how much you're moving your body. And so I appreciate when you and I have talked about this, it's not about fitting into some societal ideal, but it's more about, how can I be healthy for me and be able to move around and feel comfortable? Oh, and for a lot of folks, like 
you know, like there are people who are fat and they're healthy, right? And there are people who are skinny and unhealthy, but it's really about what works for you to be a healthy version of yourself. And like, if there's anybody out there who's like, oh my God, I've gained all this weight during a pandemic, like, hey, that's fine. We're fucking surviving a pandemic. But if you also have that energy and space... It's mainly just, like, I just felt uncomfortable, and now I feel better. Like, I feel better in my own skin. I just wanted to do something, so I felt better and, like, less pudgy or bloaty. One of those words. But, yeah, anyway. It's working. Yes, highly recommended. It's easy, and I I bet you're sleeping better, too. Eh. Okay, I mean, yeah, there's still a lot of stress and anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) You can DM us for Katie's unique link. Yes, if you if you want a unique link to get me twenty dollars, please and thank you, Katie. And then later you can sign up for it, and then you can push it on your friends. Oh wait, it's sounding a little bit like an MLM, but that's just marketing, but it's fine, right? Yeah, you decide what's best for you. (laughs) Yes, so recommended if that's if that's a thing you want to do. I, I, you know, it's at least worth trying for the seven days for fifty cents. But we've got one more episode in our Let's Get Musical theme. So, Ashley, would you give us a little preview of what we'll be enjoying next week? Yeah, I am introducing one, both of you. Just one of you. Just Graham. Katie's like, please, I have seen this. (laughs) Please. I'm introducing y'all to a film that people repeatedly said to me, I can't believe you've never seen this. And then the double whammy of, didn't you go to film school? I can't believe you've never seen this. I ha- First of all, I hate people that say that, but. Yeah. I mean, whatever. it's just never good in general. No. And it's sort of like that. The film school thing, not the, I can't believe you haven't seen this. I hate both of them. Right. I hate, I don't like it when it's a judgment in like a, you know, and like that bullshit hipster stuff of like, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen this. I like more of the, what is that comic? XKCD. Am I saying that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, oh oh my gosh, you are one of 10,000 people who've never experienced this before. And so that's also what I really love about our podcast is that I get introduced to things that are new to me, right? Especially in a time when algorithms are just pointing you to more stuff, like Google's just tailoring everything to be like, let's just give you more of the same. So... I finally watched this film in the last year, and so it's newish to me, and I'm glad it'll be new to you, Graham. We're going to be watching the genius, the wonderful, created by the most wonderful Christopher Guest. We're going to be watching 1984's This Is Spinal Tap. Exciting. And we'll be diving in a little bit more to sort of the the Christopher Guest of all of these things, the mockumentary, satirical documentaries. So get excited for that. Be ready to tell us on Instagram or Twitter of other ones that you want us to chat about or things that you really love in this vein. Yes, also because all of our musicals are from the 1980s. So it's pretty funny. Look at oh, us. Oh, there are. Uh-huh. Yeah, all of our individual yeah. choices. But mm-hmm. third third men podcast went for went for some in the aughts. So yeah. they sure did. Go. Maybe we're just really stuck in our childhood. Is that, is that I what think that happens? So. That happens. <laughs> we should force well, ourselves to find things that are like from the last five years. Well, 
So we've got some, um, yeah. yeah, we've got some. Some things. of that's coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I am so jet. I love, I love. This is Spinal Tap. I can't. Guys, don't wait. talk it up too much. I won't. God. But it goes to eleven. <laughs> Please get to eleven. That's the only thing I know. That's uh-huh. the only See, thing I know. so this will be this will be your feed me Seymour, Graham, because mm. you know the line. But now yes. you see the movie. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up then. So thank you guys for for watching and enjoying and loving this movie. And thank you all for for joining us on the podcast and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye bye bye. Let me introduce you as a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You. 